Blog Talk Radio. Come on, put your hands together. Great is the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we have a special, special show tonight, and we have a special, special guest tonight as well. Uh, We've interviewed someone from this company before, this organization, I'm sorry. And, Brian, I just think that tonight a lot of people's eyes will be open uh, like never before, because we're going to talk about something, Brian, that's really, really serious. And I was talking with our guest a little earlier today, and I was telling her that I spoke with some uh, some parents about their children missing and, you know, if they knew what to do. And the first thing they said, Brian, is that I would lose my mind. And I said, well, that's not an option. That's not a good thing to do because that's not going to help your child at all. So tonight we're going to... Mm-hmm. Our guest that we're going to have, Brian, I mean, she's going to come in, and she's going to tell us some things that a lot of us just really didn't know. Yeah, yes. You know, when when you talk about those type of topics and the, when you're dealing with youth, you know, a lot of people, want they don't want to discuss that because they don't want to even begin to think that something like that can happen to their child. You know, as I begin to think about the uh, the murders in Chicago, and, you know, just things along that line, people don't want to discuss those things until they happen to them or until they happen to somebody that they know. And I think that's why this show is so important that, you know, we get the word out, that we let people know that, you know, that our youth are in trouble and that we're, there are some things that we can do to get them out of harm's way. And, Brian, you know, every time you turn the television on, you, you see a child being uh, that, that's missing, and you find a child that's uh, sad to say that, that that's already dead and buried a lot of times. And it's just a sad thing, and I'm trying to wrap my brain around why a person would do something like this to a child, and I just can't. So hopefully tonight, Brian, I, I will have uh, a, an idea of a person that would do something like this. I mean, this is a, this is a parent's worst nightmare. And it's just strange, and, and it's almost unreal how a person can go to bed at night and wake up the next morning and a child is missing out of the bedroom. But this is real. This stuff is happening every single day. Uh, a child that's walking to school, you know, that child is not coming home. Or a child that's walking home from school, that parent may never see that child again. So these are some of the things that we're going to talk about, Brian. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, again, I, I, this is a real, real tough, you know, touchy subject, especially for me. I'm a father of three. Greg's a father of three. You know, we we both have children, and we both love children. We have that, that mutual love and respect for, you know, for kids. And so this is something that that's not an easy topic to talk about, but it's one that's definitely needed. Yes, it is. Yes. You know, Greg, forgive me. I'm going to ask you to do this. This is something that I normally do, but I'm having a little bit of technical issues here. Can you please introduce our guest tonight? Brian, I don't know how to introduce our guest tonight. <laughs> <laughs> our guest tonight, Ms. Borders, is, is an awesome, awesome uh, woman. She's a, a children's rights advocate. She's a psychologist. She's a model. And she's the president of an organization right now, Brian, Saving Our Children. Not only is she uh, experienced and diverse, she's just, uh, I mean, her heart is just so pure. And I remember receiving an email from her. I don't think she probably remember, but I remember receiving an email from her way a a couple of years back when we first um, interviewed, I, I think it was Janice Lowry, I believe, we interviewed Janice, and I just remember receiving emails with our, our guests on there on through uh, MySpace. And I think this is how she hooked up with uh, Saving Our Children. Ms. Borders, are you there? 
I am here. I'm definitely here. I'm ready and looking forward to the show. Yes, thank yes, you so and much. we welcome you to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Well, thank you. Yes, yes. Ms. Borders, when you listen to or watching the television and you see kids being taken, Mm. What what's your first thought? I mean, what 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 are you thinking about? Because I know that you work with this all the time, and and I know it it's probably a depressing thing because you're doing so much, but every single day a child is missing. I mean, what does that do to you? I have to tell you, you know, most days I can I can approach it and um and I can be okay, you know, and just kind of look at it in terms of facts and. This is why this happened, you know. Hopefully another family can learn from this and not recreate these dreadful steps. But then there's some times when, like you said, because I do do this all the time, you know, my, my position with peas in their pods as well as what I do as a school psychologist, I'm just surrounded by a lot of negative stories, the negative news bits. Is, that's what I deal with on the regular. So a week like this past week where there were so many murdered children, murdered babies, abused and just discarded children like they were trash in the woods, weeks like that, it's kind of hard. And that's when I rely on my peers, my coworkers, and, you know, other people that can kind of help support me emotionally. But it, it's difficult. It's never easy to read a news report. It's not. Yeah, I agree. You know, what? You know, I I just my, because it's fresh on my mind. I'm drawn back to the little five year old girl, and uh, how yeah. And it's like in this case, her mother had something to do with it. Uh, um, you know, at least that's what the news is talking about. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, what do you do in that type of situation? Aside from shed tears and yell and scream at the the TV screen as the news describes these horrific things that this little girl went through. This little five-year-old baby, beautiful little baby, Shania is her name, who, um, like you said, her mom allegedly, we're going to say alleged because she hasn't been convicted yet, even though, you know, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good in her favor, but allegedly a drug abuser who sold her baby um, into the sex trade older baby and they found her dead um, a couple days ago discarded in in the woods it's what can you say to that who in the world can conceive of a parent doing that to their own I mean little any child but to your own child that goes to show the state of mind of people in the world that we're we're walking on the same earth with these people if they can do it do it to their own children the message that I want people to know is there are people out there that would think nothing to do it to your children. So that's why it's important to, to know how to protect your children and what to do if your child, unfortunately, is, you know, snatched away by a pedophile. Yeah. And these are really despicable, despicable people who are doing mm-hmm. this. So mm-hmm. it's it's mind-boggling. That one that was, was, was very difficult for me. I'll be honest, Greg and Brian, that, that case just... Thank my heart. You know, yeah, me too. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand, and and I, I know I can't ask you to speak for people that that do these horrendous, I mean, just crazy, crazy acts against these children. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a psychologist, what are these people just sick, possessed? Because I know this is deeper than a sexual thing. I, I, it has to be, right. because if it was just sex, they can get sex from an adult. Exactly. Why a child, a five-year-old, a a five-year-old child, come on, right? It has to be deeper than that. And I have to tell you, um, there's a lot of research studies out there, and a lot of them do say that people that were molested as children will then turn around and become what we call perpetrators. We call them perps in the industry. Mm -hmm. So they they perpetrate. You know, they're reenacting the same crime that was done to them. You know, so they're damaged. Once you, once you do something like that to a child, they're forever changed. It's almost like their their cellular level changes. You know, they'll never be the same child once they've been abused sexually, physically, emotionally. So that abuse 
if it's not dealt with, if it's not treated, and people don't want to talk about sexual abuse, you know, people don't want to talk about it because if we talked about it, we'd be talking about it all day because that's how many people have been sexually abused. So now mm-hmm. these people are adults, and look what they're doing to children. So it's this vicious cycle. And not every person who abuses a child um, was sexually abused, but many, 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 a high percentage have. So that's the problem. But by not talking about it, it's almost like allowing it, like fanning the flames, allowing it to happen. And it's happening astronomically. Yes, yes. You know, I agree with you. This is not an easy topic to talk about. You know, and, you know, my heart goes out to the family of the little girl and for all of those who have been victims um, and victimizers. My heart, actually, I feel more for the folks that have been through it, but for the the people who, who perpetrate that, you know, like you said, there's something that's wrong with them, and, and they need help as well. They do. You know, they do need you know. help. They do. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many parents who somehow find out that their child has been or is being sexually molested, and they don't do anything about it. Mm. You know? And that happens so often, that message that you send to that child, you know, that they're asking you for help, or you find out that this this horrible circumstances happening in their lives and you don't get them help, how can you expect that person, that baby, to grow up to be sound emotionally? It's you know, and, it, and it's funny you... I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's funny you would say that because I know people who have gone through something like that and they talk about how when they were little and they had been molested by an uncle or an older cousin and they're you know, and the family sort of said, don't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. They sort of push it under the rug, and it's like that dirty little secret about Uncle Joe that everybody knows what he's done, but, you know, you're supposed to have a happy smile face, you know, smiley face when you're around him, but you know his little dark secret. Exactly. And if you reveal the little dark secret, then everybody looks down on you like, why did you do that? Right, like it's shameful. You brought shame to the family. You know, we don't we don't talk about our dirt. So what do we do? We just make sure, you know, we don't send you over to Uncle So-and-So's house. But that doesn't fix it because if Uncle So-and-So is doing it to one child, you, you trust and believe he's doing it to other children. Most pedophiles mm-hmm. don't just have one victim. That would be too easy, you know. No, they're doing it to multiple children. So that's the problem, you know, where... We're not really addressing the root issue, and that's how it just becomes bigger and bigger, and it snowballs. And, you know, children become adults, and the hurt they carry as children becomes ten times worse as adults, and they self-medicate with drugs or alcohol or have, Mm -hmm. you know, other types of addictions, sexual addictions as well. We're a wounded nation, really. You know what? I wanted to give out your your website. um, Sure. Absolutely. Peas in their pods. Uh, I said before it was saving our children, but it's actually peas in their pods dot com. That's P E A S I N T H E I R P O D S dot com. That's peas in their peas in their pods dot com. And it, it, some information, if you scroll down, if you look down on the bottom, it'll give you uh, it, it, it's so much information. And I wanted you to talk about the the alert. That, that's out there And there's also You know If you want to download A missing children flyer That's on there And then there's also Some um, uh, Blogs on there as well So The information is there And if you're listening And you can hear us Please Go in And familiarize yourself With this Pass this information around Because At some point Somebody you know Will be affected And they're going to need This information So Ms. Borders If you would um, Tell us about the alert That That, um, that you guys have Sure, you, you must be referencing the RALIA alert. Yes. Um, the RALIA alert is um, an alert system that was created by Peas in Their Pods um, about a year or so ago at this point. And um, the purpose of our organization is to spread awareness about missing children because most people don't know, but every 40 seconds a child is abducted, and over 40% of these children are children of color. 
but there's a major disparity in how um, they're displayed on the, the media outlets. So even though they're making up over over 40% of kids that are abducted, like nearly 50%, they're not on TV 50% of the time. They get very little media coverage. So um, there was also some concern about the fact that a lot of children of color, a lot of black children would not get the um, Amber Alert mm -hmm. um, because the Amber Alert said that it didn't meet their criteria. So for peas, that wasn't good enough because when a child is missing, it's important for everybody to know because time is of the essence. Like um, we were talking earlier, Greg, pedophiles are quick. They're quick. They move quickly, you know. While we're sitting in place trying to figure out and regroup, they are on the highways. They've crossed state lines, and, you know, they're moving. So our purpose is to make sure that we get that information out expeditiously to everybody mm -hmm. so that when a child goes missing, we get that information. We put out the RALIA alert blast, and that way you can take a look at the, the picture of the missing child and the story and have the contact information. So let's just say you happen to be, you know, on a bus and you look over and you might recognize somebody sitting next to you, that little girl. You might recognize her, that little boy. Or, you know, like um, Shania, that still shot that's being circulated around a lot online and in the media of, of her being carried into that hotel, you know, just being able to recognize missing kids, and that's the key. It's their picture isn't out there, they're invisible. And without that recognition, they won't be found. So that was the purpose and mission behind the RALIA alert, and it's been a remarkable success. It's been, it's been a blessing, really has. And we've had people reach out to us um, to put the information out. And so um, unfortunately, though, unfortunately, I have to tell you, RALIA alerts go out every day. Yes, every, do. I get them. I get them. You get right. You see how many? Yes. It's, yes. it's rare. You know, we applaud when we can make it a week and not have to have a rally alert. But they're um they're very frequent. You know, you you said something earlier that <clears throat> that really touched me when you said that um, a lot of the children that go missing are African American children or they're not Caucasian children. Correct. The thing that really hurts me is. These are children in America. Mm -hmm. Why? Why should one um, child's value be more than another child's value? This is America. This, these, these, these are just children. They're not white or black children. They're, they're just children that are missing. And, and those families, that they're not looking at color. That mother and that father, all they want is their child to come home, and for someone up in a higher, excuse me, higher position. They want, only want to say that a certain child is missing because of the color or whatever, and they won't give another child that attention that they really need because parents are parents. It doesn't matter what color you are. But I applaud you guys for what you're doing and, and coming up with this because we are fighters, and we'll come up with a way, even if we have to create something on our own like you're doing, and I tell you what, it just touches my heart to see see the things that you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. we, we Absolutely. Thank you. We thank you for that. And it's 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 almost like a double-edged sword because, you know, again, like we were talking talking about earlier in the show, it's really difficult to get all these these news stories throughout the day. It's really difficult to see negative things yes. throughout the day, but that's also what motivates us to do what we do because we want to help that family, and that's and that's the goal. We've we got to get kids' faces out there. Like you said, every child is important. It doesn't matter wh what you look like, where you come from, how much money you have. Every child should be of the utmost importance when they are missing, point blank. Absolutely. That's, that's, Absolutely. that's how we feel, black, white. Hispanic, whatever, it makes no difference. They're all important and all precious. Now, let me ask a question. How would we be able to, for those who don't, get the RALIA alerts? How would you be able to, to get on the, the black? We would yes. recommend that you email us at, um, and this is the email address, hfmbc at hotmail.com. All right, that's hfmbc at hotmail.com. Correct. 
It stands for Help Find Missing Black Children, HSBC. Are you putting that out there on Facebook right now? I am. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that. Yeah, we'll put it out on Twitter as well. And we can add we can add you to our list of you know thousands of people that we send this out to. And the great thing about the whole online thing is that people can then go ahead and forward. So even though you know we might not have your name, but somebody you might know will turn around and forward it to you. So it's taken on a life of its own, which is which is wonderful. That's what we want. We want people to just forward it to everybody in their inbox, really. Mm-hmm. So, but, again, I wish we didn't have to put them out there, but um, we definitely, definitely will as needed. And we're happy when we can go ahead and report happy news, and we'll put that blast out there. Yes, too. I get that. Yes, yes. yes. That's, that's, that, I mean, you know, it just makes your day when you, you get something like this and say it's a happy return to child, a safely return home, and, it, it, it's a beautiful thing because uh, until you know what it's like to lose a child or your child is missing, I mean, it, it is. How can that parent sleep knowing that some some sick person has their child? Oh, I, I I would be a basket case. I'm a parent as well, and you know that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach if you call out your home and you call out and your child doesn't answer you within the, that first five seconds, and you stand up to, like, see what's going on, imagine, mm-hmm. like, just not finding them. I, I mean, I, I ca- cannot, cannot conceive of what that must feel like, to not know that your child is safe and with you. I can tell you I had a similar scare a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, had, I was over in Houston with my family. We were there for a wedding, and... You know, all the kids were scattered around the mall, you know, and most of the younger kids had cell phones, so everybody could find everybody. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, who just turned 10, she had to use the restroom, and I was at the register. And she says, Daddy, I know where the restroom is, and she just took off running. Mm. And so I was like, hold on, hold on, and I told the people, I said, hurry up, because my daughter just took off running, and she's going the wrong way. And so finally, I just left the stuff at the register, and I went to look for her, and I couldn't find her. Wow. But she had come back in the store through another door because it was like a candy store, and it had a two doors. So as I was going out the front door, she was coming back in the back door. And so I'm bolting down the, the mall trying to find her, and she's in the store waiting for me to come back because she couldn't find me. And so if you can imagine how I felt, and I ran back to the store, and this was probably a matter of, you know, maybe 30 seconds. And it was the worst 30 seconds of my life because I'm thinking, I have just lost my child in this huge mall, and nobody knows where we are because everybody else is, you know, I mean, it's like four levels in the mall, wow. you know. And so, and I'm thinking, well, maybe she ran downstairs, and I go back to the candy store and say, hey, have you seen my daughter? And they said, she's right here. She came back in looking for you because she couldn't find the bathroom. And I told her, I said, baby, don't you ever do that again, you know, because I I I didn't even know how to think. And you're right. You know, and Greg said it earlier, most of them would lose their mind. And I felt like I had lost a piece of myself for a moment. Because that's how quickly, that's how quickly something can happen. Because, mm-hmm. you know, while our guard is down uh, oftentimes, and yours clearly was not because you did what was right, you immediately went searching, which is perfect. But mm-hmm. one of my pet peeves, and I see this all the time, I know you guys do as well, like if you're in the grocery store or at a department store, you know how parents will let their kids just hang out in the, the, um, the video game section and mm-hmm. they're over there, you know, shopping. So the kids are unattended. I don't, I don't get that. I don't get why you would do that. Because if you're not looking at your child, they're not safe. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Because peop- the pedophiles hang out in areas like that. That's a tip I just want to put out there. Just know, mm-hmm. pedophiles, the people that are trying to take your kids away, they're smart. You know, when it comes to stuff like this, they hang out in video arcades. They're hanging out at the park. They, they are where kids go, and they pretend to be friendly. You know, they're yeah. likable to the kids because they're smart that way. 
they're tricking the kids into thinking that they're safe and that it's okay for them to hang out with them and come with them. You see what I'm saying? So leaving your child unattended in a place like a store, I don't care if it's a supermarket or anything like that, just assume that there is a pedophile in the building with you because there is. I promise you there is. He may not, he or she may not have been identified as such, but there's a pervert in the building with you waiting to get your child. So don't leave them unattended. There's, um, I won't say the name of a major chain of a department store. They have, like, in the front, like, play, the play area where you can leave your kids and you can go shop in peace mm-hmm. and get your groceries and your whatever. I don't get that either. I don't know why anybody would want to leave their toddler in the front. Just don't bring them to the store with you if you can't shop with them with, in the cart, wow. you know? Right. Don't yeah. do that. You don't know what? Uh, somebody's going to wake up tomorrow. <clears throat> Or somebody's going to make that frantic 911 call that I'm, that my child is missing. Mm-hmm. And they're probably never going to see this child again. What are the steps this person should take once they find out that the child is actually missing? The most important thing that I want to highlight to anybody listening in who ha- might have this happen, okay, try to remain as calm as possible. Of course you're going to be frantic, but... When you're frantic, you can't think logically. You can't think quickly, and speed is of the essence. I'm talking you need to move quickly, quickly, quickly. So if you realize you can't find your child, let's say you're home, and you can't, you can't seem to find your child, first thing you've got to do is search your house. Just do the, do the quick run-through search everywhere in your house quickly. You know, inside and out in the backyard, because children sometimes they hide or you know they play, they they get into what they're doing, they're quiet and you can't find them, but they're they're there. So you're gonna you want, you definitely want to search the house quickly, okay? Um, look in the closets, um, look under beds, everywhere, okay? If you cannot find them, still you need to immediately immediately call your local law enforcement agency, nine one one, call the police, okay? If you're at a store, for example, and you can't find your child, it's really important that you contact the the security or the manager, the front desk, somebody, because a lot of places have automatic door locks. And so the doors are locked, so no one's leaving, no one can get out, you know. So that's why speed is of the essence. A lot of places do have that. Malls have that. A lot of malls have that as their backup security. But if not, you know, they can get their their uh, security people involved in monitoring everything. So quick, 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 notify the authorities, okay? One thing parents need to know, and sometimes we're really bad with this, right? Like knowing specific information, like how much does your child weigh? How tall are they? You know, things like that. It's really important that when you call the police, you are able to give descriptive of your child. If they have birthmarks, facial, you know, any any kind of description, what are they wearing? Know what your children are wearing, you know? And if we all have hurried, busy lives in the morning, we're getting dressed, we send them off to school, we go to work, etc., try to remember what your child has on. You should be able to say, my son, my daughter is four, approximately four foot three, 52 pounds. He was wearing a red shirt today with some dark blue jeans. He, he wears glasses, has a mole, et cetera, et cetera. It has to be specific. And also, make sure you have an updated picture of your child. Make sure you have a picture, an updated picture, because that's the picture that they're going to want to use to get his information, his or her information out there, okay? So I know that seems like a lot, but a lot of this stuff, if you just already have it on you, it just helps, mm-hmm. okay? And then you're going to want to request that your, your child's information is immediately entered into the NCIC, the National Crime Information Center missing mm-hmm. persons file. You definitely want to do that. And then call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and get your child on. So yes. those are the steps. Look around, call the police, give specific information. Specific. The more specific, the better and then make sure you get your child on the NCIC and then call National Center for National Exploited Missing Children. 
Those are the key. You know, I, I thought about another uh, avenue that you could use as well. Mm-hmm. Um, social networks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've seen it in the past where, you know, people will say, hey, pass this along to your Facebook friends or to your MySpace friends or to your Twitter friends. And I see, I actually see it a lot more now where people are actually Twittering missing persons reports. They do. They do. Facebook, um, MySpace, Twitter, all those social networking sites do often put that information out there, which is phenomenal because, you know, lots of people are on Facebook a, a large portion of the day. So getting that information quickly and expeditiously is important. So that is that's a great um, way to get the information as well. It yeah. really mm-hmm. is. And and what I would want to say to parents, though, is it can be really intimidating working with um, with the police and people like that. And sometimes people feel like they're not taken seriously or they don't believe that their child might have been abducted. They might think or be forced to um, try to believe that their child ran away or something like that. I want to say to those people, don't stop, don't give up, continue, persist, persist in getting your child's information out there because it's not okay for your child to be out there and you don't know where they are. I don't care if, I don't care if they ran away. They still need to be found. So you still need to um, not let up, not let up. It can be overwhelming, but make sure that you get that information out there. You know, and I think in the African-American community, sometimes we might not necessarily do that. We might not be connected with the media sources, you know, but leave no stone unturned when your child is in danger. That's, that's the key. Don't take no for an answer. Another thing, too, that to, to show people just how serious this is, I received an email from you guys um, maybe a month ago, and it was about a little girl she yeah, they found her. She was she was dead. Uh, somebody had they they did kill her, and she had on a little sweater. Sweater. I'm sorry, I have a I'm fighting the cold. She had on a sweater. I think it was a yellow sweater. Do you remember that? With um, her hands were bound behind her back. She's a headless. Yeah. A headless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cold case. It's a cold case that you're referring to, and we have so. It's so sad. We have so many cold case cases out there. Just people don't come forward and talk about um, situations. But this little girl, she's a Jane Doe. Um, she was found um, mutilated. Her head had been severed from her body. Um, they believe she's about eight years old or so, but her hands were bound behind her back, and it ha- her fingernails had a little bit of fingernail polish on them. But no information about that child. And, you know, the thing that's perplexing to me is that no one, report, no one reported her missing. You know, mm. like how, how in the world is that possible that a parent, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of that. But to this day, she's a Jane Doe. And we talked to a detective that was on the case that night. And he said that that forever, forever changed him to see, to see this little girl, this mutilated body, and not to be able to identify her and give her the proper grave site. It's um, hmm. It's definitely yeah. This definitely yeah. I tell you, you know this. This is hard to listen to, so I can. Im- I can't even imagine how hard it is to experience this, you know. And so, you know, one of the one of the things that we want to do tonight is to definitely get the word out about organizations like yours, and you know, the fact that there are people out there that are that are here to help. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that are trying to do to make a difference in you know missing and exploited children. You know, they're trying to do something, you know, and they need everybody's help. You know, when you look at uh, how pedophiles operate, you know, what most people don't realize is that some of them actually work in groups and networking. Mm 
They network. They do. So if you can imagine a group of people that are trying to harm a child, you know, having a meeting where they decide who they're going to snatch this week and what they're going to do to them, you know, that, if anything, should motivate you enough to where you want to make a difference in the lives of children. For sure. They work together and they forward, you know, inappropriate, disgusting child porn to each other. It's a whole network, like you said, a network, a network of people that are out there. So that's why it's so important for parents and community folks to arm themselves with, with things that they can do. Simple things, simple things that they can do to, to help their children know the difference between someone who's safe and someone who's unsafe, you know. Um, and there are, things that, there are things that can be done. There are children that, that um, are wise, you know, have been taught and are wise and don't fall for the trap. So it's possible. Right. It's possible to do. And one of the things that we talk about that I recommend for parents to do is to set up a code word or phrase with their children, mm-hmm. a code word or phrase, and that the purpose of the code word or phrase is for that child to know that if this person doesn't know the code word or the code phrase, whatever the family has decided, then that person has no business talking to them and trying to get mm-hmm. them to leave with that person. So, for example, you could say, let's say um, the code word is God is great. The code phrase, I should say, is God is great. So um, let's say your child is at um, the park by themselves, let's just say, and so he's a, he or she is approached by someone, and they said, oh, you know, come with me. Your mom said it's okay. So what you have to tell your child is the question is, what's the code word or what's the code phrase? The person's not going to know because the purpose of the code phrase is for it to be secret. Only mommy, daddy, and children know it. It's a secret. No one else knows the phrase. So if that person doesn't know the phrase, then they can't go. They run away, you know. Simple. That's a pretty simple, simple thing that can be done, you know. Mm-hmm. And also just teaching children that it's okay to say no. It really is okay to say no because we teach children to be respectful and polite and to mind authority figures. So a lot of kids feel like they can't say no if it's an adult telling them to do something. So mm-hmm. you see, you see the, the, the problem with that. It's like, you know, of course we want our kids to be mindful and respectful, but they also need to know that their body is theirs and that no one can harm them, and it's okay to say no, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that, um, that came to mind is, and, and I guess I reference my youngest daughter all the time because, to me, she's just, she is like the, the one person that you can't really pull the wool over her eyes. You know, not, and that's not, you know, taking anything away from my other two children. Mm-hmm. But she and I were together one day, and I spoke to a guy. I think I was, we were in Wal, going in Walmart, and I was talking to, you know, just a guy that was walking by. And you know how you see something and the other person sees it and you sort of comment about it? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I was commenting to him. He was commenting to me. We both laughed. And as we were walking away, my daughter says, why did you talk to that stranger? Do you know him? I <laughs> <laughs> love it. And I was like, oh, no, baby, it's okay when you're an adult. It's okay to talk to other adults. You know, I said, I was just commenting. She says, yeah, but do you know him? I was like, no, I don't know him. I just saw him. And, you know, so I'm trying to explain this thing to her. And she's just not convinced. <laughs> you know, she's like, that's a stranger. So unless you don't, unless you know him, you're not supposed to talk to him. How old is she? <laughs> she's ten. She's. You know what's interesting is that a lot of times kids have difficulty figuring out who's a, a stranger. You know, they mm-hmm. think that just because somebody might know their name or might just smile, that they're no longer a stranger. You know, and that's mm-hmm. the problem too. Because we tell kids, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Right? But a lot of kids. They're like, they're not a stranger, you know. He called me mm-hmm. by my name. She called me by my name. So that's that's the issue, too, you know, with parents, just defining mm-hmm. exactly who is a stranger. And um, there's a wonderful woman, Patty Fitzgerald, who um, writes for us. 
for Peas in Their Pods, and she talks a lot about um, tricky adults. She calls it tricky adults. And mm-hmm. the way she describes it is that tricky adults don't ask kids for help. Tricky adults really don't talk to kids that they don't know. If someone's talking to you and mom's not there, dad's not there, and they're asking you to come help them because their puppy's sick and they want you to come, that's a tricky adult. And so when she said that to me, it made sense because all this time and with all my training, I always talk about stranger, you know, to my kids, a stranger. But when I referenced it that way, it's like they understood it. So um, that's just another tool that parents listening in can can share with their kids. You know, like a, a stranger is someone who tries to trick you. It's a tricky person that tries to get you by yourself because no safe adult would really need your help. Adults don't need kids' help, ever. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I tell you, if <clears throat> the parents aren't taking this very seriously, I mean, they just can't be watching television. Because a lot of times when I'm in grocery stores, I see parents on one aisle, and, and the child may is probably two years old just running all through the store mm-hmm. and I'm like, you need to put this child in the buggy or, or, or carry this child or, or or have them with you or something. I mean, it's just you see it so much and you just want to ask them, lady, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> right? You know I know. I know the feeling. I give them the look. Most oftentimes I give them the look or I, I'm, I'm that stranger in the store, the grocery store, that will stop and ask a child who's wilding out and running around, where is your mommy? Like, you need to go to, where's mommy? And I'll walk them over to mommy and say, look, he's all the way over there getting into trouble. Keep him with you. You know, you might want to keep him with you. And I think we've lost that as a as a nation, too. You know, we're, we don't want to talk to other people, really, when we're out either, you know, because people can just be so mean and rude to each other. So we're just like, ugh, you know. But I think if we get back to that, too, that a lot of what we're seeing in our youth might change, you know, just yeah. being that, that community parent that we uh, used to have. I, I want to I ask you a question real quick, too. Brian and I, we, we go into the detention centers and jails and prisons, and sometimes we do speaking. And, I, and I've been in a prison myself, and I, and I I didn't go for me now, but I was in there uh, <laughs> doing work. Let me clarify that. <laughs> I, I was in there. And you, you, you see these men, a lot of times you don't know what they're in there for, mm-hmm. but a lot of times the guards will tell you. So you, you, you have the pedophiles on one end, and um, it just seems like, you know, just from talking to some of the employees that, oh, he'll get out, but he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Why are you letting them out? What is, what is my, I think my question is, what in the world is wrong with the system? Because you you see this stuff on television on how to catch a pedophile, and some of these guys have been caught two and three times. Well, and you know, Greg, I want to jail time. Some of, oh, them go ahead, even, I'm sorry. some of them don't even get jail time. You know what I mean? Probation or something, not some community service probation or just nothing. That's what I don't get either. Like, how can you not do jail time? You know, I I, I want to answer that question by. You know, in no way, shape, or form, and I'm trying to be devil's advocate for them, but you have to remember, they're sick. They have a problem. And in my opinion, it's a mental health issue. And so I think if people would approach it from that standpoint and put them in a mental health facility, they'll do one or two things. Either they'll show that there ain't, ain't nothing wrong with them mentally and that they knew what they were doing, or they stay in there and they get the help they need. Right. You know, because I, I really believe it. I really truly believe that that it's that while it is criminal, it's also a mental health issue. And from what I see, nobody's really taking that approach. They take a, the approach of being more punitive, where they're saying, "Oh, you did this. You're going to wear this tag like a scarlet letter for the rest of your life." You know, versus saying, "Look." We know you have a problem. Let's try to help you. You go to jail, but while you're in jail, let's help you. You know, and I think that I think that goes, you know, across the board with 
anything that somebody does wrong. Clearly, anybody that does a crime, there's something wrong with them. And that's why there's so much recidivism is because they're not getting the treatment that they need. But like you said, you know, if they do jail time, they do their jail time, they're out in a year or so, you know, and then they have to register as a sex offender, right? And so they live in the community, and they have to check Mm -hmm. in here and there, whatever. But obviously the system is not working because pedophiles, and I don't know. I don't know if everybody knows the websites that they can go to to just check and see. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. to see how many pedophiles live in your in your area. You'd be surprised. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I go regularly because they constantly move in and out of your area. So I mm-hmm. want to know where where exactly they are. And when you go, for example, one website is the Family Watchdog, and mm-hmm. um, you put in your your information, and it pulls up a map with like. And the map will light up, you know, and it'll tell yeah. you you can get the picture of the, the person, what their crime was, everything, and just look and see where they're living in your community. But the thing is, they move around a lot, and so mm-hmm. of course they can't live, but you know, a certain number of feet from a school or something like that. But they can go to your supermarket, and they can go to you know, every, so they're if they're in your community, they're frequenting the same places that you frequent, and that's why it's so important to to know their faces and and to know where they supposedly live, you know, because if you they're the, kind of close to you, you, you want to know. You know, when I look at some of the laws that, that, that have been designed to, quote, unquote, deter pedophiles and sexual offenders from living certain places, I think that, you know, and this is just my personal opinion, I think there are some of the dumbest laws on the books. What difference does it make for a sexual offender to live within a thousand feet if he lives a thousand and one feet? You know what I mean? I mean, that's not gonna, in my opinion, where he lives is not gonna deter him from doing something if he wants to do something because all he has to do is Go to the place where he sees them, you know, exactly. and, and, and to me, I think it's just a way for them to say, well, we don't want this kind in our neighborhood. To me personally, I think it's a form of segregation where they use something that they've done wrong because, you know, what's next? Now, if you don't want murderers in your neighborhood, I mean, think about that. Somebody who's a sexual offender can get out of jail, do their time try to change their life, but they've always been tagged with this with this visible form mm-hmm. of a tag, not just the fact that, you know, okay, I'm a former sexual offender. And, again, I'm not, I'm not advocating for them in no way, shape, or form. I'm just saying how I think the law is kind of crazy, you know. But past sexual offender can get out of jail, try to change their life. They're always hit with that tag of a sexual offender. They have to go everywhere they go. They have to tell you, this is where I am. A murderer can do their time, get out of jail, and become a ghost to the system. And, you know, maybe they need to revisit how how they handle people that have done any and every violent crime, you know, for, for people to be able to know that, you know, maybe you have someone living next door to you who has murdered one or more people. You know, I, I would want to know that, too. I would definitely want right. to know that, too, as a parent, for sure, because my children can't defend and protect themselves at this point in time in their lives because mm-hmm. they're little, they're, they're mm-hmm. young, you know. So as a parent, I need to know what I need to do to help them. And one right. of the things that I need to be able to do is to identify those people that are going to be lurking at the bus stops and are going to be lurking at um, the libraries, and places Absolutely. like that, you know. So that's why that visual, to me, um, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at that law. I'll be honest. I'll be honest, Brian. I'm not mad at that law that they have to be identified because mm-hmm. um, I need to know. Nor am I. Yeah, I need to know who they are. I, I, I do because they're waiting for me to slip. They're waiting right. for me to slip. So you know right. the sad thing about it? Some neighborhoods would rather have a sex um sexual predator live in their neighborhood than have a drug dealer in their neighborhood. 
I don't want either one. I don't want either. Me either. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's what I don't want either one. But um, if I can identify them both, we're, we'll be better and off. See, and that's and I think that's my point. The the thing that's so compelling about this situation is people look at it as, okay, if if I sold drugs, then that person that bought them, that's their business, and I didn't do anything to the person. I just provided it. But if I violate someone's body, then that's a worse crime. And to me, both of them are are crimes, and both of them should be given equal penalties. I, I, I mean, I can see that a crime, a crime is a crime is a crime, you know. Right. And, and there is so much I think to be changed. There is so even even with the the sex offenders, even with abuse and how it's dealt with, you know, whatever crime, mm-hmm. domestic abuse, murders, you name it, you know, I think yeah. I think. It's a system that could be revamped. It, absolutely, it absolutely. Because so many people slip through the cracks. So many violent offenders don't ever get identified for whatever right. reason. I mean, you know, there's a lot of problems. And then there's also, and I've seen this, and this one, you know, because there's a, there's a guy that, you know, lives in my neighborhood, and I think he was 19, his girlfriend was 16, but he was still in high school, mm-hmm. and her her parents caught them having sex, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 16 years old, 19 years old, somewhere along those lines. Well, anyways, this kid now is a registered sex offender mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the parents decided to press charges against him. And because he was 19, even though he was still in high school, they charged him as a sexual predator, you know. And I'm not saying that what he did was right, but, you know, it was because they used the, the rule of law. And I've seen plenty of cases where the rule of law has been, you know, skewed and taken into account, where in his particular case it wasn't because they wanted to make a statement. Right. You know, and again, like I said, I don't condone what he did, you know, because personally, I believe that you know sex is reserved for people who are married, you know. But uh, notwithstanding, I don't think what he did deserved the punishment because, of course, this the the person was a willing participant. Right. Right. I you mean, know? like I said, there are there there's a lot there's a lot to be done to change to to better the system. I think so. Right. I think so. And um, it's true too, though. You know that the the pedophiles. When people think of the pedophiles, we're thinking about the dirty old men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that carry our children off in broad daylight right. or in the middle of the night. And those those perverts is that, that's the only term I can use to describe them. A lot of them get away with it. You know, yeah. a lot of them do yeah. get away with it. And that's and that's to me the fundamental purpose for what it is that I do and why why we do what we do, you know, as right. an organization for peace is that, you know, those those families and those kids who don't have a voice, you know, it's really important that the system works for them. And so too often it works against them or it just doesn't work fluidly for them. And so, you know, those those families are the ones that I'm concerned about the most. That's awesome, yeah. As a psychologist, you're dealing with kids that have been molested by a loved one or whomever. How do you try to give them their childhood back? And and because, I mean, they're trying to process something like this is just extremely tough. I mean, what 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 as far as when you when you're dealing with them and you're trying to uh, help them get back on the the, the child's track but they, that they were on, how do you help them? I mean, goodness, I, I can't even imagine uh, doing your job. I, could, I couldn't imagine doing that. It's definitely really rewarding. It's a rewarding job, um, but it's one that it's a different type of reward because you don't get those daily rewards because we're talking about changing behaviors and personality and, and all that, and that all that is a journey and it's a slow progress. But for those kids, Whatever, whatever it is, and it doesn't even always have to be sexual abuse, physical abuse. You know, their home life affects them during the day at school. And so what I'm seeing a lot of times is that low self-esteem, 
that low self-esteem, that'll kill you emotionally, you know, because when you think you can't do, you won't do. If you think you're not good, you will not be good. Mm -hmm. And so working with kids as young as four years old, y'all, four years old, and improving their self-esteem, that's what I I try to do, self-esteem, and then getting them to actually share their story because kids, I don't care what, how severe the abuse stories that I've heard, and I've heard some horrific things firsthand. Kids will protect their parents. They will tell you that that black eye on their face, they actually got by, you know, walking down the street or riding their bicycle. They will, they will, not, they will not tell. A lot of times they won't tell. And that's the part that breaks my heart because I'm looking at them and I can see, I see it, but they, they won't say it, you know. So getting them to that point where they understand that what is occurring to them is just dreadfully wrong and that there are people, no matter how depressed they are, there are people that are on this earth that want them to be safe and that will help them. And that, that's the biggest leap for them to trust because they oftentimes are so distrustful because mommy or daddy is doing this to me, and they're supposed to love me more than anybody. So if they don't, nobody else can possibly really care about me. So that's the hurdle. And so we're seeing all this acting out in schools, a lot of media outlets are talking about the kids, like what's going on when they're so angry and, you know, Kids are killing kids and kids and what's going on? What's going on? It's not the kids. The problem started actually with the parents. Mm-hmm. And the kids are acting out because of the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of adults are out of control, simply mm-hmm. put. So I'm going to say something uplifting uh, before I leave tonight. Can I? <laughs> I was going to say, we got about two minutes left in the show. I want you to give out your, uh, your information again, your website, and then leave us with some parting words. Okay, okay. The, the website is peasintheirpods.com, www.peasintheirpods.com. If you go to the website, you'll see that we have a lot of information, um, tips and things that you can do if your child is missing, and also a slideshow of missing kids. So we want you to go there every single day and familiarize yourself with the faces of the missing kids. Um, in your area because you might be the one to help bring them home safely. And, you know, it's even though all the negative news that we get in the media, there's so much of it, but at the end of the day, we, we can create happy, healthy homes and communities for our kids. And um, just spend time with your children. Talk to them. Have that open line of communication, and I promise you they'll talk to you. Kids are so easy to talk to. So have that open line of communication and start talking to them early about how to protect themselves. They should know their name and birthday and their telephone number by the time they ride that yellow school bus to school, by the time they're four. So empower them, and they'll be good. They'll be great. They'll be all right, and they'll be safe. But um, you have to talk to them. Awesome. Was there anything else that you wanted to say to our listeners um, and, and um, about just about anything that you guys have coming up, anything new? Well, we do have um, our radio show on Blog Talk on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Central, which is 8 p.m. Eastern. Oftentimes we, we talk to um, experts in the field and families, and so that's a great um, asset, I think, for, for people to come on listen, because sometimes you learn best from someone else's, um, someone else's travels and someone else's hardships. You can learn from it. So we encourage you to come on and listen to us on Sundays. And please visit the website. Please visit the website and sign up for our Ralia Alert Blast. Yeah. And to all the parents that are listening out there, this could easily be you. Just because you see this on television and you never think that this can happen in your world, you better think again because it's happening. Sooner or later you're going to meet someone at work or a cousin or somebody in your family is going to have some, a child is going to be missing. And I can guarantee you, in your city, if you look in the local newspaper, if you watch the television, you'll see kids are being taken on a daily basis. With that being said, we want to thank our guest, Ms. Borders, 
Brian and I, we had a wonderful, wonderful time. And we just yes. thank you so much uh, for coming on and just giving us this wonderful information. Oh, I and thank I believe, you for having me. Yes, and I believe lives will be changed because of the information that you've given. Again, we will be back on the air next Wednesday. You've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you so much, and good night.